1: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
0: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Mike and Viana gather playing some games. You better pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. B and B, like, I'm the honor, gotta play in some game. That I pray to your mama that I'm super And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. It's the RHAP. You can say for free. Hi,
3: everybody, and welcome to the RHAP B and B for episode seven survivor kagayan we have finally hit the merge and beyond in our wacky travels through time during rhap and here we are bringing together people from all different types of backgrounds much like the merge proper Let me welcome in the panel for this week. First, a person who I would never call the other one because she is just too important. Liana Boris. Liana, how are you?
4: I'm good. I definitely had so much fun watching this episode and I was not kage yawning Ah. while I was doing it.
3: Ah, And the the mark, uh, the expression of admiration you might hear comes from a new guest to the B&B, but not a new voice to RHAP. It only makes sense in a conversation about numbers or comfort that we bring on somebody whose math is known far and wide in the R.H.A.P. universe. You know him from his fantastic work on This Week in Survivor. Jordan Kalish, welcome to the B&B. How are you doing?
5: I'm, I'm doing great, Mike and Liana. Thanks for having me on the b and B. I haven't stayed at this uh, fantastic location yet, but it is very comfortable. And uh, my, my lack of math skills will make you feel very comfortable about uh, your, your uh, better math skills.
3: I, think, I mean, yeah, we're we better at math. I think we showed last week, Liana, that maybe not so much with spelling, but we got Jordan cornered on math.
4: Yeah, right. Um, OK, well, one of the subjects we can we can take home, which I think this is a comfortable stay is the nicest compliment we've ever gotten about the B&B <laughs> ever. So it's a
3: low bar and yeah. you would just like vaulted over it, like insert Olympic pole vaulter <laughs> name here. Uh, so Jordan, as accustomed to our new guest on the B&B, obviously a lot of people know you as a voice in the Survivor community. For the life of me, I can't remember what your origin story in Survivor is. Whether you're a day oneer or a close to day oneer, so when did you start getting into the show proper?
5: So I guess uh, I am not a, a day oneer. I did not watch uh, Survivor Borneo when it aired because I was at sleepaway camp. Uh, I was. Uh, it actually aired the day a- the, it premiered the day after my uh, my tenth birthday. Um, so I was at Sleepaway Camp that summer. I did not watch uh, Survivor Borneo live. I started I guess I'm a day 40 year because I started with the premiere of Survivor, the Australian Outback, uh, mm-hmm. which uh, which actually uh, started uh, right after the Super Bowl that, that night. And um, mm-hmm. obviously I had heard of the show. My my parents, I think, had watched the uh, the finale of Borneo and they, were, they thought I would really like it. And they were right because I have uh, I have not missed an episode since. Um, I did not know what the show was (laughs) when I went into Australian Outback. I knew it was people like living in the wilderness. I did not know that people got voted out when they went to tribal council. I thought that somebody was going to like fall off the bridge and die. And that's what happened. I didn't know. Um, but right when Deb gets voted out, I'm like, wow, this show is amazing. Are they just going to all vote each other out the whole time? And that's what happened.
4: I like that Jordan's interpretation of Survivor was effectively the Hunger Games. Like the (laughs) only way that you ever
3: leave the show is if you die. (laughs) Well, now yeah. it makes sense as to, like, when you... Well, you know, we talked about this, right, in episode two, the challenge where they all jumped off the cliff. Jordan's like, oh, that's how you get rid of them. It all makes sense now. They're introducing them to the device that will be their death once they get voted out of the game.
5: Yeah, I, I, I guess I bit into, like, the foreshadowing too much where I knew somebody was going to leave, uh, but I, I just didn't know it was going to be based on votes, which... <laughs> I think in in, uh, in retrospect was probably the correct decision because like that's a much better game show than the Hunger Games.
3: Yeah, but I would also say that like by the point we are at in Survivor, there are some times when people don't leave by votes, right? Sometimes people leave by making a fire. Sometimes people leave by drawing a bad rock. Sometimes if you're sorry, you just leave by existing. <laughs> so I think your initial I thought experiment has not been like too much of a far shot from reality or at least what outcomes are possible in survivor nowadays
5: no I, I was a visionary when it came to how people were gonna end up end up leaving survivor. <laughs> well it, let
3: me ask you let me ask you jordan because we're getting into you know this merge episode of kagayan which i would say i think low i don't even know if it's a low key i don't know what the key is on this where it's unlocking but this is i think one of the the better merge episodes uh just in terms of like the storytelling in it obviously you are on record as being a ginormous tony vlacos fan i can only imagine even more substantiated so with his second victory watching this episode back especially through the lens of you know tony now being a two-time winner what, what was it like to revisit this episode
5: I mean, first of all, this is Kagiya is my favorite season of Survivor. It is partly because of Tony, but not only because of him. I think there are so many fantastic characters in this season. I think there's amazing gameplay on this season. Uh, but Tony is is probably the main reason. And yes, I, I am a big Tony fan. I did a podcast with Rob once about the eleven things I love about Tony. I guess now there's more than that since he's uh, since he's been on two more seasons since then, or, or like one one season and uh, one premiere night uh since kagiyan uh but i i would say that this episode it's it's probably my favorite merge episode of all time it's one of my favorite episodes of kagiyan which is my favorite season so i think that that stands to reason that it would probably be my my favorite merge episode of all time uh and also i think just Going back historically, looking at the fact that this sort of became Tony versus Sarah, two people who, uh, to, you know, Tony, who would win this season and then win again. Sarah, who would win uh, Game Changers and come very close to winning uh, winners at war. So to see these sort of like titans of the game uh, go after each other is, is really even more interesting in retrospect.
4: So first, I have a question for Jordan. What birthday was it during the <laughs> Kagayan merge <laughs> that uh, you had?
5: The, during the the Kageyan merge, uh, so that was 2014. I I would have been around about about 24.
4: Okay, all right, so yeah, a good 14 years later. Right. Maybe Liana's is
3: <laughs> losing this math credibility slowly <laughs> but surely in this podcast. You said you
4: were 10.
5: I was right? ten. I was ten the when, when twenty four. Yeah, and then
3: you just add during two thousand and you just add fourteen years.
4: <laughs> yeah, as <what> I said. <laughs> Didn't I? Whatever. Not important. Anyway, to go back to the point, Jordan, that you were making of this the the Tony Sarah relationship. It was so funny to turn on the episode and to watch effectively the summary be the whole thing summary of their relationship you get the top Mm. five baby stuff all just in the intro and then Mm. to watch it play out throughout the rest of the episode and of course come to the conclusion but you see the two of them going back and forth against each other it was just it was really cool to sort of see that origin story or maybe the conclusion of the origin story play out and to watch it now knowing what happened in winners at war And
5: and just seeing Tony like clap and cheer the first time that Sarah gets out to then him crying and hugging Sarah the last time she gets voted out. It's it's poetic.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's an amazing arc. We talked about this during the season, but I I really do feel now that all is said and done that I think their arc might be out. Jerry and Colby is like one of the best multi-season arcs between two characters just through what they've been through. This is such an interesting episode to me in a number of levels. First is, I think what does, I agree with Jordan, I think it's a top-tier Merge episode, hence why it was picked. But I think one of the reasons behind it is, you know, I think it's a it's a, a usual statement nowadays with Merge episodes of, okay, when you're at the Merge, first vote, just, like, hop on a name and, and go with it. And so I would say that some Merge episodes are not as climactic as something like this. This, for now at least, there was a line definitively drawn in the sand, right? And it was a close yeah. vote, too. It was ended up being 6-5, to five, but maybe not in the direction that was initially expected. But we talked about this a few weeks ago with the Drew Christie episode. This is just a fantastically told story on its own, in its own separate occasion. And maybe it's because they lay it on so thick with the Sarah stuff in her confessionals. But it really is just a fantastic downfall over the course of 42 minutes of here's one person who comes in in the most perfect position and then ends by being voted out. Whether you call her the president or the queen or the princess, like she is deposed by the end. And that's why the brunt of the episode focuses so much on her and Cass. It's so much fun to watch this episode back, knowing the outcome to see like the breadcrumbs of Cass, then they're in there specifically like always throwing to her to the point where we really don't hear from like, you know, Tasha or Jeremiah or Spencer. It's almost always throwing to Cass with her reaction because She is going to make one of the most shocking moves in Survivor history by the end of this. And when you watch it back, you get to see sort of the steps that she took to get to that place to say, yeah, I'm going to turn on my tribe and go against these and go with these five people that I just met two days ago. Why wouldn't I?
5: Yeah, it's it's really great. First of all, seeing the two warring factions, uh, you know, go against each other where you think, as you said before, that uh, that Sarah is the one in the middle. And it turns out that really Cass is the one who who deviates from her side. And you don't really get that so much in in Survivor Merge episodes anymore. You're right. It's usually a a lot of people like who's the one person that none of us want to work with? And that's the person who gets voted out like. 12 to 1 or 10 to 2, whatever. Um, so having the, these these two distinct sides come against each other, yeah, I guess you could call them your alliance of numbers and your alliance of comfort, even though both of these alliances came together in the same exact way. So it's just the, uh, the, the Tony branding that you get there is amazing. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, there are a lot of clues here. And I've probably watched this episode potentially more than any other episode I've ever watched in Survivor history, especially now with my with my most recent viewing yesterday. Um, so to see like to see the Spencer or, or the, the you know the uh Spencer Tasha side and Spencer is is so confident at the beginning of the episode, which I think should be a clue going in that it's not going to work out for them because when does you know anyone ever like guarantee that something's going to work out and then it actually works out on Survivor? Yeah,
3: that's there, that's the whole rule of Survivor editing, right? It's like mm-hmm. if something is said in the first act of the episode by the fifth act or so it's not going to be the thing even you can even say that right before the challenge too. like spoiler alert there'll be an episode next week that we're talking about that is gonna say everything will be going to plan as long as x doesn't win the immunity challenge cut Mm -hmm. to x winning the immunity challenge so yeah liana i think even after 20 years the editors are really into that idea of like these people think they know what's gonna happen but they don't know bupkis
4: yeah i think uh I guess it is the edit, but it's more so just the way the players legitimately feel like, yes, I understand that the editors always have a tendency to do this. But there's so much confusion within the players themselves that this felt so much more genuine than just trying to, you know, make the uh create the diversion and make you look the other way. I mean, look no further than the final tribal council when the vote is being read. Oh, my God. My most favorite, probably two, three minutes of Survivor. It's just Beautiful where you have Tony goes up, plays it for LJ, and yeah. Spencer and Tasha are smirking. Then LJ plays his idol for Tony, right. and then they're playing pretend mad, but then in the end it doesn't matter anyway. Because, yeah, and
3: then there's uh, it's so interesting, even to watch like that piece of Survivor History in that, you know, when Tony pulls out his idol the first of many times, everyone's sort of whispering to each other, like, okay, the other one, the other one, and Jeff's like, Oh my god, what's going on? And it's like you could see can become so excited with wonder at the prospect of people deciding things at tribal council cut to even 3 years from now in Sarah's second season when he's like what they're getting up and then cut to Sarah and Tony's third season and now he's like, oh, OK, yep. All right. This is another tribal council where everyone's getting up and whispering and a bunch of, you know, nonsense is happening.
5: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think this was like the best of whispering a tribal, tribal council because they stayed in their seats and you could actually hear what they were saying. And it was clear who was saying what. It made it a much more cohesive story than what you get these days with the, with the live tribals, which are really to me like dead tribals because it kills any of the suspense that uh, they've built up throughout the whole story of the season.
4: Yeah, because you sort of go into those tribal councils, a bunch of whispering happens, and then something unknown comes out. It's like this black box where you don't really know what's going on inside. And then you just have this outcome. You're like, well, I hope next week I'll figure out why this happened. Um Whereas here, like the story was so clearly told and. Even though there was some of the whispering, like Jordan said, you can still tell what's going on. You still know what's happening when they say the other one. You kind of know what that means because the editors have set it up ahead of time. So it just oh, my gosh, this I knew I remember this being a fun episode, but I didn't remember how fun the episode was. I think this is one of the ones that I've enjoyed the most, Uh, maybe except for Borneo episode one. This was really enjoyable.
5: Oh, sorry. Sorry, Mike. Uh, So I was Go ahead. Okay, so uh, so ga- gameplay wise too, I was so impressed by both Cass and Trish here because I think Trish was the one. It's it's more Trish's episode yeah. strategically than it's Tony's. I think because even oh, yeah, though I he, think, is, I think he I becomes like yeah,
3: it's very it's very similar to like uh, their partnership where Tony is sort of the face, like he's the mm-hmm. one making making the loud declaration, he's the one clapping, and Trish is the one that was really like she was the one that pulled Cass over. Make no mistake, yeah. this was hundred percent due to Trish. Tony himself. Like, he failed dragging Sarah over, and so Trish is like, all right, I guess it's my turn. I'll go get Cass.
5: And, and then Cass, too. Like, I, I don't know. You could debate if, if Cass made the right decision or not to flip. I don't know if Cass was going to win the, the season of Survivor, no matter which side she uh, she picked because she was not the most popular person, person at camp. Uh, but sh- the fact that she was able to go in I think she did actually, even though she did commit to the Trish Tony side, I think that she did scare them enough where she was talking about like, oh, if I'm a big, you know, uh, male threat here, I might be scared. Her, she said that a tribal and then both of these two guys play their idols on each other. So I think if it weren't for her doing that, not only did she flip to that side, she also got the idols out of the game. I think it was it was amazing by her uh, to be able to make both sides, you know, she both sides thought they had her, but, both, but uh, the Tony side also thought that there was some doubt as well, and they they played the idols because of that,
3: yeah, I think watching Casa's perspective and her psychology on this, even in the segment before was really interesting because, look, I personally think that Sarah Lucina is like a top tier player. I think her last two seasons showed it. Mm-hmm. This was not a good episode for her, no uh I think specifically when you know she's talking to Cass and she's like, "Well, listen, the other guys said that they'd vote for who I wanted to vote for, and it's like you are essentially threatening them there." And so I could understand why Cass took some umbrage there. And, you know, you could argue about, like, or the argument she made of, like, well, I don't feel like Tasha's supporting me because she's supporting Sarah. But I do feel like it is partially the responsibility of people in an alliance to, like, make sure everybody feels okay. Not to say that they weren't putting in the work, but it's clear that, you know, I don't think that Cass felt neglected by her alliance out of nowhere. Uh, I think she definitely felt like Sarah was being a bit dictatorial with her edicts and everyone else wanted to, like, Bow down to her to the fact that she it made her feel like she would be expendable over Sarah Mm -hmm. in the alliance so it it sort of is like a dual thing of like you said Jordan she made the move but I will also say unfortunately her alliance sort of set her up for the assist by in in really making sure Sarah had it was a secure vote there they were unfortunately, you know, trusting too much in a person who did not feel that comfortable to begin with in her alliance.
5: Yeah, and this reminded me so much of the uh, the Survivor Amazon episode uh, where uh, Christie's the swing vote, Of course, there's another episode where the the swing vote thinks that they have all the power and then they get clipped because they're overconfident. And they both said they both told two two, uh, sides on their season that they were going to make their decision at Tribal Council. If you tell a group of people that you're going to make your decision at Tribal tribal Council, they're never going to vote you. And they're probably they're not they're never going to go. They're never uh, they're probably not voting with you. And. There's a good reason to vote this person out if they're not going to tell you what their move is before going to tribal council.
4: Well, and it's super short-sighted because Sarah even says... Tony is like me like he's the biggest threat he's like me so if you think that he's a smart player like what would you do in that situation if you had an ally that was saying oh I'm gonna wait and make my decision later wouldn't you go try to find a plan B so yeah Sarah was being a mess this episode a hot mess especially the fact when she, like straight to Tony's face like listen stupid I know maybe we shouldn't be saying that but uh, but yeah it was really fun to sort of watch that downfall but to see the other players even though this is sort of the Tony Sarah story, like Cass, like Trish, and just see what they were up to. Of course, then you have, you know, Spencer and whatever them, the rest of them like doing their own little thing. But just a fun story. It was neat. It was cohesive. And it all just fit together in a fun little bundle of Survivor. Yeah, Yeah.
5: the the Sarah, the Sarah story arc sort of reminds me of Parvati. I think I think it's almost the closest uh, comparison that that I could give Officer Sarah, because in her first season. I think she actually starts off with more of a spark, like pre-merge than Parvati ever had in, in Cook Islands. Um, but Parvati is sort of taken out, and she's sort of like a non-consequential ca- character on her first season. Sarah is consequential, but she actively plays bad in her boot episode. So it's sort of like yeah. a, a point against them. But then they both come back with a vengeance. They win, and then they come back again and almost win. So that's that's sort of, I think, the best comparison for, yeah, uh, for Sarah. Yeah,
3: that, that's an interesting point. I never really thought of drawing the parallels. But yeah, it does seem like you know, I think both of them sort of got the reception out. I mean, I think a lot of people could describe this to the Game Changers cast of like, why are they back uh, for a second time? I think Sarah at least had a bit of like, well, she had that big boot episode, so maybe she deserves a second chance. But it is a similar arc where I think, you know, not a lot of people were talking about them as players until the second time they played. And the way that they won, I think, really got them in front of the fans' eyes. And then The third time that they played, I think some I think the jury's a little bit out on on Sarah Lucina. I personally really enjoyed how she played and sort of what she was playing for this third time around. But it does feel like if people certain factions of the fandom, I think, consider them pretty top tier players by the end of their third seasons. So does that mean Sarah has to come back? Or a fourth time and then get swapped screwed? Is that what you're saying, Jordan? To really yeah. complete the cycle?
5: And then she has to live on the edge of extinction. So I hope that doesn't happen.
3: Yeah, and then Wyatt and Knox get to come on this boat that she gets to visit them and then stay for another like 15 days in misery.
5: Yeah, I, I don't know where John Fincher plays into this, but um, hopefully for, uh, for Wyatt's sake, not,
4: no part. Yeah, I don't think it has to be that close, no. <laughs> Jordan, when we're doing the comparison. Yeah, we're not
3: doing like a single white female thing of, like, she's going to take every element of poverty's
5: life. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so.
3: Well, let's start getting into our games here. And look, we could not have the quiz master himself, Jordan Kalish, on a fun and games podcast on the RHAP BNB without asking him to bring his own game in. So, Jordan, Lana uh, yes. and I are completely in the dark here. We have no idea what you have out of your bag of tricks. So please enlighten us. What the hell are we in for here?
5: OK, so this this is a game that I'm going to call. I'm the president and (laughs) which is always what you want to hear these days um so this is of course based on uh, sarah's famous line from the season i think one of the one of sarah's most memorable lines from kagiyan where Mm -hmm. she she declares herself the president because she thinks she has all the power so what i did is of course i went back into the history of presidential campaign slogans and i wrote (laughs) slogans for various uh, cast members of Survivor Kagiyan, So I'm going to give you some examples before we start the game. So the first okay. one, uh, there was a guy named Calvin Coolidge who was running for re-election. And uh, his... his <laughs> like, uh,
4: don't know who Calvin Coolidge There was this
5: listen, guy... Some,
3: some, well, listen, we might be... We're dumb in many school <laughs> subjects, Liana. <laughs> I believe was was Calvin Coolidge the one who got? I think he got killed. I mean, no, I'm thinking of McKinley. I think Coolidge. Yeah, McKinley got
5: killed. Coolidge, Coolidge did not get. Coolidge, I think slept 20 hours a day. I'm pretty sure that's what he's known for. Uh, But his his campaign slogan was "Keep Cool and Keep Coolidge." So the slogan for the survivor
3: that that feels like very I don't know that feels like very 21st century. It does. Keep cool and keep Coolidge.
5: I was very impressed, but with his uh, his slogan work, so I turned it into (laughs) "Keep Cool and Keep Chaotic." So, of course, you, this, this was uh, is an example one. So, obviously, you, you guys would buzz in. Uh, I don't know what you want to use as your buzzers. I know Liana has a buzzer that she likes to use. Uh, so, um, you guys would buzz in, and you would guess the correct answer. Who, whose campaign slogan is this from Kanye 69,
4: Chaos Cast. Yes, it
5: is Chaos Cast. Yes. Uh, my, and, and the reason that was an example is that it's just too obvious. I like the slogan, but, but too obvious. So, then there's also, uh, there was a guy, Teddy Roosevelt, who, who was also president. A guy. <laughs> you know, um, and, and this is not really a slogan but he did say keep calm and carry a big stick which i turned into speak llama and carry a huge idol
3: oh uh <laughs> clap 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 yes. Mike. Uh, Mike! it is t- tony vlacos almost tony, said teddy vlacos
5: <laughs> tony vlacos is correct so this is the game uh i have 13 campaign slogans and you have to tell me which survivor kageyan uh cast member uh owns owns this slogan so I have thirteen of these. I guess first to seven wins. Uh, okay. So um, let's let's uh, let's get started. Um, okay. And I'll tell you what the real life the real life slogan is after you guys answer. Okay, so. Tell me which guy yeah. it belongs to. Yeah.
4: Who's this guy?
5: Okay, <laughs> okay number one. Uh, and what are you guys using as your buzzer? So Leon is using sixty nine, and, and Mike using. Mean, in in, in honor of
3: Tony, I'm going to say I, I would say. I would clap much like Tony, but I feel like that won't register on a podcast, so I'm going to say clap, 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 clap.
5: Okay, so we have 69 versus the clap. Uh, Question number one.
3: (laughs) Oh, that's how you get the clap. I was going to say, I've seen that movie before.
5: Question number one. When they go low, I get high. Clap, clap,
2: clap, clap, clap. Mike.
5: I'm going to say that's woo. That is not woo.
4: Oh, what? Damn (laughs) it. Oh, that was gonna be my guess too. Oh no. <laughs> uh, is it you, do I get yes. penalized for just guessing?
5: Um no, you don't you don't get penalized for guessing. You 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 do get a guess here.
4: <laughs> uh I don't know. Uh how about <laughs> I don't know what this is in reference to. Um oh, I'm sure it was woo. Yeah, I was too, Mike. Uh I'm looking at the cast list right now. Okay, I'm going to go. I I don't know. Let's go with David Sampson, because why not? It is not
5: David Sampson. There is a character on this season... That whose nickname is Uncle Spliffy Cliff Robinson. When I get oh. low, when they go low, I get high, which is of course based on Michelle Obama's. When they go low, we go high. So it is zero to zero. <laughs> there's no score heading into the second question. And, and he
3: also gets high being a basketball player, right? That he gets is, very yes, high. It, it, right. it works on, on, on two levels. See, it correct. doesn't make mm-hmm. sense. David Samson would also go low though, because I believe he's very
5: short. <laughs> he is he is very short, and also he's he's more of a baseball guy than a basketball guy. Um, he goes low, low, low. Um. <laughs> That made no sense. Okay, question number two. (laughs) Better a third timer than a third placer?
2: 69?
5: Liana. Sarah? It is Sarah Lucina, better a third-timer than a third-placer. This is based on FDR's slogan, better a third-termer than a third-raider. And she, uh, of course, caught a lot of beef with uh, with Cass uh, in this episode, Whoa. who is a third-placer, and she is a third-timer. So I think she would try to throw uh, Cass under the bus if she were making a presidential campaign slogan. Look at, so, look
3: at uh, FDR, like, throwing his weight around, like, listen, uh, I'd rather be the president three times than win a bronze.
5: Yeah. <laughs> so, by the way, this That's is uh, he was he was running against a guy named Wendell Wilkie, uh, <gasps> who Wendell Wilkie had some amazing, uh, amazing slogans. Uh, this was, of course, uh, FDR was uh, running for his uh, his third term. And Wendell Wilkie's uh, slogan was no third term. Then Wendell Wilkie ran against FDR again, and his slogan was no fourth term either. And it did not work either time.
3: Maybe this time.
5: Yeah. I, did, I was going to say, I thought Wendell Wilkie's
3: slogan was, uh, we just kicked it. Yes. Kick, kick it with Wendell Wilkie. <laughs> Kicking it.
5: Yeah. Uh, actually, it's too bad for him that Laurel did not I mean, have the sole decision in that election. Ugh. Probably good for the country, though, because FDR is a pretty good president. But anyway, uh, I
3: don't know. I don't know what Wendell would have done.
5: You never, you never know. You never know. Uh, a lot of people thought. A lot of people thought that Wendell uh, that Wendell got a bad edit in that uh, in that campaign. In that,
3: yeah. yeah, When he came back, his third his third term run was like pretty good, but his fourth, term they're like, "Oh, why is
5: he the villain all of a
4: sudden?" Mm. Yeah, exactly. It was all those negative campaign ads.
5: <laughs> so number three, we have hashtag Team Beauty.
3: Oh, God. All right. Well, clap, clap, clap. I have like, I've guessed between six people here. Team Beauty. Uh,
5: I'm going to go with Morgan McLeod. It is not Morgan. alexis (laughs)
4: alexis <laughs>
5: it is alexis known for her famous twitter account uh this is based on hashtag team gov which is get ga- which was gary johnson's libertarian uh <laughs> slogan
3: <laughs> so interesting i didn't i guess what? i was trying to think, like who included a hashtag in their campaign slogan that feels dated even in the year 2020
5: yeah i was very close to uh, just taking a tweet from alexis's uh twitter account and using that <laughs> as her campaign slogan there were some really really good aka bad ones that would have just been very general. Uh, slogans for her her presidential campaign but yeah that was alexis and and liana has a a 2-0 lead number four we have inner peace inexperience and wasted money
3: uh 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 clap, clap clap mike bloom i'm gonna go with spencer
5: This is Spencer. This is based on Richard Nixon, peace, experience, prosperity. Uh, The inner peace uh, is, of course, related to his uh, Spencer's current activities where he's very Mm -hmm. into inner peace Inexperience. Yes, he was the young lad and wasted money from the the auction where he did not get the uh, the idol clue. So,
3: yeah, I was thinking I was thinking it was either Spencer because I remember Spencer, Tony, and I think Tasha went in on it as well. So I was wondering, like, was it Spencer or Tasha? But the inexperience made me believe that it was our young lad here.
5: Yes, who's now a much more worldly uh he's he's still young, but he's not as young last. So okay. Oh, is that how that works? Yeah, that is how that is how people age. how how many years older is he
4: right now? <laughs> hey, let me get out my calculator. <laughs> how <laughs> old <laughs> was he during the Survivor Borneo premiere?
5: Yeah. Okay, number number uh, number five. It's nighttime again in Kagiyan.
3: No, the it's a weird thing is I know the campaign slogan, but I don't know who it applies to. <laughs> um, it's
4: time again. Okay, sixty nine. Liana, I'm, I'm just gonna guess Tony.
5: It is Tony. Tony, okay. known for staying up all night looking yeah. for idols. This is based on Ronald Reagan's "It's Morning Again in America," and Liana yeah. has a three to one lead.
4: <laughs> I like how Mike knew the. I don't Here know why the I knew this. Well, you
5: know, I, obviously, I know my
3: Reagan slogans <laughs> like the back of my head, but I can't, I can't think about them as compared to Kagayan. Don't mix <laughs> my foods together. <laughs> Me and yeah. that guy?
5: Um, so yes, uh, Tony, known for having conversations with the moon. I guess was Reagan having conversations with the sun. I don't know. Uh, yeah, but that's was, where I get
3: the raisin brand from.
5: He, he, Reagan was was known for his uh, his daytime stuff, or Tony's more <laughs> known for his nighttime stuff.
3: Yeah, Reagan's more of a daytime guy. <laughs> All right. Question. I don't, I don't know if I want to describe. I don't know if I want to be described ever as like a nighttime guy. You know. <laughs>
5: <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, this is a uh a, a, sort of a, a plug for uh, for Patron Mafia here, which we've been playing every other week. Uh, nighttime stuff is is uh something that the the Mafia and other special roles like to do. And Tony. Can you,
3: yeah. Can you please change it now to now it's Tony time and Reagan time and see. <laughs> it's <laughs> Reagan see stuff and
4: Tony stuff. <laughs>
5: All right, time to do the Reagan stuff. The, the two great foils of American history, Ronald exactly. Reagan really and Tony on other sides.
4: Uh, Well, sense. I think it's interesting
3: though because doesn't voting happens during the day, right after everybody wakes up? So it is. It is
5: flipped. Right. Reagan time. So his tribal council. I get yeah, that's that's nighttime stuff. Mm. Um. Okay. So. Uh, here we have uh number six. This one's not really based on a slogan, it's just based on something that a president said. The only thing I <laughs> the only thing I have to fear is flipping out.
3: Okay. Uh clap, clap, clap. Mike. I'm gonna say cass.
5: It is not cass. Liana, you have a guess.
4: Is flipping out?
5: The only thing I have to fear is flipping out. Oh, who's a house flipper in this cast?
4: Well, state? okay, uh okay, yeah, Liana sixty nine. Is it Woo?
5: It is not Woo. Oh. Uh, the The correct answer was Lindsay Ogle, who was uh, very scared of her ability oh. to not flip out on Trish before she quit. And this is, of course, based on FDR. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself.
4: I um, thought Woo because he flipped
3: off the. Ooh. Yeah, that's why I thought when we go low, you go high, because he climbs <laughs> trees. There's so <laughs> many Woo herrings here. I don't know where to go. I also like speaking of Lindsay. I don't know if you guys noticed this in the previously on uh, when the when there was there's you know now a relic of the previously on survivor Jeff being like. Tony's tribe was filled with everything Survivor had to offer. And that list was what? Idols, uh, blindside, and somebody quitting the game. Like, that's the laundry list of things to playing Survivor, apparently.
4: Classic. Yeah. The
5: 310. Three it's, it's, it's like the new Outwit Outfit last.
4: Oh, yeah. that's why you when, should get tattooed, Mike.
3: Idol, Idol, blindside, quit. Yeah. <laughs> We're now getting to the quit portion of this final tribal council. I need you all to give up.
4: Well, that's, you know, if you're not going to be voted out, you got to leave somehow.
5: All right. Number seven. Some of the way with LMK. Uh, clap, clap, clap. Oh. T- LJ. Yeah, it is LJ. LMK. LJ McInnes. Is, uh, based on all the way with LBJ. Also a great uh, Broadway play that I saw with uh, Brian Uh So Liana has a three to two lead. Yes. Uh, LJ McInnes went some of the way. In Survivor, not all the way like LBJ. Mm,
3: and I, um, I do remember actually Brian Cranston did a great job portraying LJ in the uh dramaticized version of Survivor Kagayan. He
5: really wore that hat very well. Yeah, well actually as wouldn't Brian Cranston be Tony who's more who's more of the Heisenberg of the season? He I doesn't guess have
2: a I don't know, LJ.
4: LJ
5: Mark Ruffalo, maybe?
4: <laughs> Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> they Ruffalo. Like, no. can't darkish, Ruffalo
5: darkish hair I don't know. is that the
3: criteria yeah I feel like um, I feel like Paul Rudd could play a good LJ
5: I could see it I think he's mm. a little small for LJ though right Yeah, I guess you're
3: looking uh, for like a bigger guy how about Dave Batista from Guardians of the Galaxy as LJ McCann <laughs>
5: sure I think that works
3: <laughs> can't wait to
4: see this <laughs> yeah,
5: and and then uh, Bradley Cooper could voice the llama. There'll be like a cartoon mm. llama in this oh, season. You know what? The-
3: Actually, Bradley Cooper would be a great LJ though. Cause, yeah, oh, I like right. LJ has the long oh, locks. I feel like yeah.
5: he's a little schmoozy,
3: though. Maybe he could also be Jeremiah.
4: I could somebody see who could do that accent, though. That's what you gotta gotta knock down.
3: Yeah, that's the thing. I was like, oh, there's not a lot of Jeremiah in this episode. But when you get a lot of Jeremiah, you just get so much, barely any syllables.
4: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like that one not- confessional <laughs> was enough. I, I'm yeah. good.
5: All right, number eight. Liana has a three to two lead. Number eight, be lumber with me.
4: Oh, 69? Liana. Is it Jeremiah? It is Jeremiah.
5: (laughs) Uh, okay Jeremiah be Wood lumber be, with me. be lumber with me yes uh, this is uh, also b- a second Gary Johnson uh, slogan be libertarian with me <laughs> Liana you have a four to two lead oh, uh, that, there's that so one, many
3: um, I have so many things to say about that both on your side and Gary Johnson I mean I guess it's better than the hashtag but it's still not that creative be libertarian, be libertarian
4: with me
5: be libertarian with me Gary Johnson had a lot of not so great slogans that were listed <laughs> on the Wikipedia page for a list of U.S. presidential slogans uh, and and I will say that uh, Liska Savage uh, did help me uh, with, with some of these slogans as as a big Survivor fan and history teacher. And she was like, this is the one that is the most to be in be, be lumber with me.
4: <laughs> yeah, it, no, is. it really is.
3: Yeah, though I think, I don't know, it's not that much of a connection to like the wood of it all. Maybe it's like too much of a euphemism. Like you have to go several degrees to get there. So maybe that speaks towards a higher crowd uh, that's into their penis jokes, but they need to be like super subtle, you know?
2: Mm.
4: Yeah, Sure, Mike. <laughs>
5: All right, this one is a little less subtle <laughs> number nine Ooh, okay. i like rice
4: Ooh, <laughs> 69 like. uh,
3: so i'll get a bonus point i believe if i correctly guess it's i like ike from uh, dwight eisenhower's campaign thank you i'll take the bonus point and that is referring to jatia
5: it is not jatia <laughs> what that, we knew we knew this one would be a trick it is not jatia you did get the correct uh, dwight eisenhower thank you so slogan. i'll take that bonus point thank you very much liana you get a you get a guess
4: i'm literally uh i'm trying to think like who got Matt? uh is it tasha
5: it is uh trish who actually chose the rice at the beginning of the game over oh come on
4: oh my god
5: no points (laughs) there no points i knew i knew i I knew that would be a tough one
3: i don't like rice is that what you're i
5: guess it would be i don't like rice (laughs) Uh. she she poured it out she does she's anti-rice she's the anti-rice candidate
3: so uh, I guess that is like a I mean I don't know that's a certain slogan, right? Like I feel like there are certain people that are anti-rice. They're like I, I like that that person's straightforward with their hatred of rice. I'll yeah. vote with you.
5: <laughs> yeah, that, that would be the, that would be the anti anti slogan. Okay, next next one we have read my lips, no new no new strategies.
3: Oh, uh clap clap clap. Mike. Garrett Adelstein.
5: It is Garrett Adelstein. again from the premiere of Survivor Kagian. He did not want his tribe strategizing he wanted them to sit in the shelter and do nothing and this is based on george hw bush's read my lips no new taxes
4: i still can't get over like the concept of oh this is a uh he's the type of guy i'd like to have a bowl of rice with yeah it's
3: <laughs> the new instead of i'd like to get a but beer with but that's sort of like uh the social game right is like who do you want to sit around and have a bowl of rice with you know and sort of like shoot shit about everything in the world and survivor like that's that's the person you want to vote for in the end so i do wonder maybe these these uh these slogans can be ascribed like how good they are as candidates so that's i would true. say i think tony is like a, an incredibly erratic person to want to be elected to any higher office
4: yeah probably not a good call yeah but he has
5: won his uh his his two elections that he's had in in, in final trial two out councils. of three two out of three yeah
3: third term
5: Four. yeah well, he's two for two on Final Travels. Uh, so the next one, uh, and it it is four to three, Liana. I have three more of these. We have, um, he proved the pants were mightier than the torch. Clap, clap, clap. Mike Bloom. Rice Isaiah Johnston. Rice Isaiah. This is based on Woodrow Wilson's. He proved the pen was mightier than the sword. Bryce has proved that even though he was an early boot on Survivor, the pants are mightier than his Survivor career because he's, he's done such a great job in podcasting with the Purple Pants <laughs> podcast.
3: I... I love that for some reason. But first, so did Woodrow Wilson invent that term, or did he just like shamelessly copy it? From no, he stole else? it. I'm
5: pretty sure. Isn't that Shakespeare? I think it's Shakespeare. right?
3: The, yeah, the, so, like, we could like feasibly steal any sort of other phrase that somebody came up
5: with. You want yeah. to yeah. take Walter, Johnson's Walter Mondale? One, yeah. Well, what, Walter Mondale used "Where's the beef?" As, as a slogan, which he stole from Wendy's. That's
3: true. That's true. And I did. I was always going to run with the slogan one eight seven seven Eight Seven Seven Cars for Kids." And see how that would work
4: out. <laughs> you got to do the yeah. jingle. <laughs> I'm,
5: yeah, I'm pretty exactly. sure that is a that is a scam. One Eight Seven Seven Cars for Kids. Um, but I, I guess if you want to like ta- if you want to take a scam slogan and make it your own slogan, you could you could reclaim it.
3: Exactly. I think that it's sort of like, look what I can do. If I can renovate One Eight Seven Seven Cars for Kids, a genuflex scam. What can I do for the community? Mm-hmm. I vote for
5: you.
4: I so, said,
3: let's, let's drive into the new era, America.
4: Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I can see it on a bumper sticker now. We're only 200 plus years old.
3: We're just a child. Get behind the wheel with me. I've got my learner's permit.
5: I think your slogan now has to be, though, what I'll play out last, because it's going to be on your arm. Uh, or
3: so, uh, the new one of <laughs> Idle Blindside Quit. Idle don't, I don't I don't I
4: don't Blindside play. Quit, Yeah. <laughs>
5: Yeah. Okay. So you are tied four to four. I have two more of these, but (gasps) let's say that the since you are tied, whoever gets this one right is the winner.
4: All (sighs) right. It's a lot of pressure.
5: Okay. The slogan is guaranteed two or cast
4: McHugh.
5: Mike, I'll go with Woo. It is Weasel Woo. This is based on Tiffany and Tyler Two. Mike, (laughs) final two or cast (laughs) McHugh? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> guaranteed two or Cas McHugh if he if he had taken cast uh guaranteed two guaranteed second place because he took tony or Cas McHugh he probably would have won uh so mike you get the 5-4 victory come from behind victory over liana in the wow. i'm the president game
3: do you do you, do you think people call her Cas McHugh if they want to like tick her off um i
5: i think so i mean I've, i think i've seen her isn't that her twitter or something McHugh? or she's go, she's gone by that before i'm pretty sure
3: I don't know I think it's I think it's snappy but you could also be like Cass McHugh what are you doing ew like that could be like a childhood nickname type of thing that a playground nickname that doesn't work in her favor
4: yeah it is challenging to find nicknames that don't have rhymes like that that you can't have some sort of like chastising teasing rhyme but it is pretty good if,
3: if her name is Cass she's got that's like an initial level <laughs> oh, right. to reach in the in the playground nickname so if people get around to McHugh, then that means they've sort of exhausted all options at that point
4: that's true that's like next level if he can make a yeah. pass, cast,
5: ass mccue <laughs> and by and- the way woo uh tippecanoe was was uh the president william h harrison woo's uh 39 days on survivor longer than tippecanoe's presidency
3: hmm that's very true and i i know i feel like uh uh william henry harrison actually a very russell swan like archon survivor where wasn't it that he like didn't wear a coat to his inauguration mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he died of pneumonia like yep. russell swan working in the rain ends up collapsing from exhaustion it's, it's there's some parallels there
5: if only he'd henry, worn yeah. a coat yeah when when russell's jacket collapsed and i was watching uh watching survivor samoa it's was like wow he's a he's a real william h harrison <laughs>
4: The, yes, that is the first thing that pops into your brain. Thank you, Jordan. I completely agree, and for validating Mike's very <laughs> apt and timely comparison. That very we all timely. Think
3: of. Yes, yes, yes. A mere three hundred mm. years off from the time when W. H. H. Lowered his into the ground ceremoniously <laughs> on a cold winter's day.
4: What was this? Does that slogan? mean that Russell
5: Russell Swan's grandson is going to like be on Survivor one day to avenge him?
4: What? Benjamin so- Harrison was oh, e. Harrison. Oh. <laughs>
5: Benjamin Swan is going to be on Survivor. One.
4: Yes, and he will have a jacket. Yeah, that's all he'll have. Um. So I'm supposed to have a question now, but Mike, I don't have a question. Okay. Okay. Can we play your game now?
3: Sure. Sure. Okay. okay. All right. We can move on into yeah. i you know what I'll bring up a question just for the fun of it because because we spoke about woo. Um, I want to talk about, so Wu ends up winning immunity here. It turns out to be more key than I think we might remember, because there actually was a pretty uh, like solid plan to move in on getting rid of Wu. Because, again, you have the Sarah being Sarah this episode being like, there's no way Tony has an idol. But I think they were able to sort of come together and say, okay, we can vote out Wu, if anything. But Wu wins immunity here. And I remember at the time, there was actually a lot of chatter about Wu's choice of apparel. And what I like to call the Woo shoes, mm-hmm. uh, those toe shoes that people said, you know, this is the one of the first times they use that that doghouse challenge where you stand on a triangle in the middle of the ocean. And you can imagine that Woo, because of the traction on his feet, was able to get a better grip on those little uh, those little holding positions than some of his competitors. And some some people said, <laughs> is this unfair? What I posit is, is there a way that, you know, people should be bringing items onto Survivor in the future that can help them in these types of challenges. You know, like gloves or some sort of headwear that they can somehow get through as athletic gear that can help them in these types of endurance challenges.
4: Okay, so grippy shoes and grippy gloves, I think, are key. Do they make grippy gloves? Is that a thing? They must.
3: They must with, like, rock climber thing, with rock climbers. But Mm -hmm. here's what I posit, because I think that it's going to be tougher to get the grippy hands by uh, you know, by I'm gonna say customs, like survivor production, right? They're gonna be like, that's unfair. What I suggest is you get a pair of grippy gloves and you paint them photorealistically to look like your own hands. <laughs> and so you come into the challenge with your hands on gloves on top of your hands, no one's gonna notice. You're gonna have supreme grip strength to hold on to that bar or whatever nobody's going to be like, it's not fair, you're wearing gloves. You're like, no, these are my hands. See? See the mole on my left hand? I, that wouldn't be the case if I was wearing gloves.
4: You know, you could just do that for everything. For your arms yeah. as well. Just do the thing where your arms are like by your sides and you have just like a jacket that has like fake arms and then you just yeah, like like, like, like balloons. fake arms. <laughs> yeah, you just like, you just hook the fake arms up there and then you just stand there like this the whole time. And That'd then the amazing. fake arms do it
5: it's, it's gonna evolve from people like making fake idols at night to making fake limbs oh at God. night to give, to give them advantage of the challenge <laughs> I think it could work it could
3: work you know how like uh you know there are those Halloween costumes where like you're the jockey on a horse yeah that's and, a, like, yes the fake legs hang over uh-huh. like I think you could do that if like you know the one where you have to squat in a position for a long time like just Retrofit that costume to look like you as a survivor player, and then be like, All right, I'm in position. And then you'll be like, Oh man, Bradley, why aren't your quads killing you? You're like, Oh, I don't know. I guess
5: I'm just really strong. <laughs> you say Bradley because Bradley Kleigi is like the most likely person to do this. Is he? I don't know. <laughs> I'm asking you.
3: Um, I don't know. He's a man of the law. I don't know if he would necessarily go there. It's not like breaking the rules, though, right? There's no, this is the airbud defense. There's no I, rule against. Retrofitting a Halloween costume of a man on a horse to make it look like it's your legs as Survivor players so that you can compete
5: in challenges. Look, I think if Survivor lets you bring it in and you're able to use it to your advantage in the challenge, I, I don't think it's necessarily cheating.
4: Right. I mean, if you can get away with it, it's not cheating. <laughs> is that how you approach every game jordan is that like no. you're stuffing monopoly cards like if you can get away with no, it it's not no, cheating. no because that
5: because that is cheating if survivor's allowing you to bring a piece of clothing in now if you like were to hide the clothing like janet coath potentially did with her granola bar like mm. that's cheating if you hide it and bring it in but if it's a piece of, it's a, if it's something that survivor allows you to bring into the game and you use it in the challenge kind of like woo did with the shoes if they told woo no shoes before the challenge he would have to take his shoes off. So, like, the fact that the, that production didn't tell him to take them off, I think it's fine.
3: Before we move on to more fun and games, we're going to take a quick break to listen to a word from our sponsors.
1: Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs>
0: And we
3: are back, so let's keep on keeping
0: on. Well, speaking of Bradley, this was posted
4: on the Survivor subreddit the other day. It was a throwback Thursday of the time that someone commented on one of Bradley's photos. I don't know if either of you remember this, but I'm going to read this exchange because it really made me laugh, and so much so that I saved the picture. So Tammy Mom 26 commented on Bradley's photo, You remind me so much of my son before he left. And Bradley responded, Thanks. And Tammy responded, It's not a compliment. He went to prison.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So maybe you're right, Jordan. Maybe if if Bradley is reminding the casuals of pre-convicts, then maybe he is the most likely to, to, you know, put uh, large sausages in for his arms to hold, to hook them into place to hold the ball up during an endurance challenge
5: yes having said that i do not think production should have allowed Wu to wear those shoes because it is a big advantage like those those shoes are i i've, I've never had them before but i have seen people wear them like and i've I, like they have yeah. a lot of grip grip on the bottom you can control your toes which helps you get balance. uh presumably
4: uh i don't <laughs> know my my, toe,
5: my toes are out of
3: control without them yeah personally.
4: no same they're like doing everything over here i it's can't crazy. keep track of these things they're like <laughs> They got families
3: in different areas. Like I don't know how to how to nail these ten little piggies
4: down. <laughs> One of yeah. mine went to market. Yeah, it's crazy.
5: Wu is known for his toe dexterity. He would have <laughs> given he would have given Bal- Balor a a run for her money in the foot challenge. Well,
3: that's the thing. He actually remember they actually did the foot challenge in Second Chances. He just wasn't uh, he wasn't there in time. Yeah, maybe it could have been a thing of like, okay, you can wear them, but you have to wear them on your hands. You know, like if you want to make as big of a fashion statement, go ahead. But you have to wear them on your hands during the challenge.
4: Well, that's another reason to bring them. You can repurpose them to put them on your sausage hands. And then yeah. that way it looks like gloves even easier.
3: Yeah, they'd be like, oh, man, Woo's really getting killed by those flies that keep nibbling on his arms.
4: It's gra- oh, is that a bird? Is that a seagull coming yeah, what at the Seagull pecking at Woo's arm.
2: <laughs> oh my
5: God. Jack or Joe come in here. It just takes a chunk, a yeah. chunk yeah. And the off. The seagull
4: just ate Woo's finger. Like, oh no!
5: How would Jeff announce that?
4: <laughs> yeah, what would the Jeff Robes commentary?
3: Seagull, <laughs> Woo. The definition of survivor. A seagull comes in, takes his finger. He's sticking it out. Dig deep, Woo.
5: That seagull literally carrying Wu's arm in its beak. (laughs) (laughs)
4: Looks like a reward for the seagull. (laughs) One-armed Wu wins immunity. yeah does that count as removing your hand from the oh grip that's true. if your hand Woo, gets you eaten ju- by a seagull. seagull took
3: your hand off the pose of a um, pigeon-
4: you've been eliminated from the challenge
3: <laughs> well i mean like we've had challenges before right we're like didn't um didn't you know somebody i think like ken from millennials versus gen x or something stepped out of a challenge because like ants were crawling on him like mm-hmm. that wasn't his fault the ants eliminated him from the challenge
4: that's true. So then, yes, he would be eliminated if some if he got so, eaten. Yeah. So like, if nature caused you to be eliminated, then that's like that's countered as well. Yeah.
5: Yeah. I mean, wind wind is a factor. That's nature.
4: Mm. That that is nature. Yes. <laughs> wind. Well, we're nature.
3: speaking so much that's about my animals. <laughs> this is all too pertinent for the next game here on the B and B. So this didn't happen in this episode, but you know, a short stone's throw away in Kagayan from this episode to Tony infamously speaking llama. And Jordan, once upon a time, you were one of the famous voices, uh, before the Wandoff came around behind the infamous What Does the Llama Say with the great Aaron Robertson. So I took the title of your game, much like, uh, <laughs> much like Gary Johnson and decide or Woodrow Wilson and decided to use it for the title of this game called What Does the Llama Say? Here's how, here's how it's going to work. Uh, apparently, I've discovered a newfound love for animals during the B&B between my marine life quiz from a few weeks back, and now this. I'm going to play an Animal Noise and give you two choices as to what animal it is. And you have to guess what animal it is. This might be the most off-topic we've ever gotten in a and mm. b game, but I am so, so excited because <laughs> I took a deep dive into the animal kingdom and shit's wild shit is wilder than my toes here uh, out here in the wilderness so we'll go back and forth uh, and i'll give you again i'll play the sound i'll give you two options and you have to guess what is the correct animal noise and a llama is none of the correct options i will say that outright
4: okay so are we alternating back and forth or is this a buzz yeah. in type deal no alternate. well we'll
3: alternate back and forth here and liana let's let's start with you here all right so here is your first noise No, no. Okay, so uh, yep, that noise signifies (laughs) we have reached a new low in this
4: podcast that we were just playing animal noise. Uh, Now I'm not saying it's a shark, Mike, but have we jumped the shark? (laughs) (laughs) And then
3: some, and then the shark ate our sausage legs and ran away with it. So we're now out of the challenge. Liana, is that the call of an elk? or a chimpanzee?
4: Okay. I don't think it's a chimp. Okay, I'm gonna go with an elk here. That is
3: correct. Uh, elk I would have said a, chimpanzee. Elk utter a high-pitched bugle-like scream <laughs> to generate female attention. So the do scream. we all,
5: elk. So do we all. I feel seen. I'd swipe right on that elk.
4: <laughs> I'm in this sound clip and I don't like it.
3: Uh, and also the scientists suspect this mating call signals muscular strength and endurance, so ideally the louder and longer the male screams, the better.
5: length matters. No.
3: <laughs> so uh, <laughs> Let's gentlemen, not learn anything gentlemen, if you're this. out there, do as the elk do.
4: Uh, yeah, well, you know, when you're swiping on Tinder, Bumble, whatever, I look for a mating call typed yeah. out, the longer well, the there, better.
3: There's other Tinder uh, that's specific to forest Tinder, because that's like sort of wild brush. That's oh, gotcha. Specific to forest animals. Yes. All right, Jordan, this one is for you. All right, Jordan, is that an emu
5: or a cheetah? So it does sound bird-like, which would be an emu over a cheetah. Are you trying to trick me here? Could, it, could a cheetah sound like a... No, it's, it's got to be an emu.
3: It's a cheetah.
0: Ah. Oh, dude. Wow. Wow. Yeah, was unlike, on top of- so
3: unlike wild cats like a lion or a jaguar, cheetahs can't roar. They have a thyroid bone in their throat. Uh, that's shaped differently than the other ones, so they chirp like a bird. Oh. I did not and know that, that. And that shape of the larynx is also why a house cat can't roar. So I don't know, Leon, if Claym and Pearl have tried roaring yet, but I believe their anatomy does not allow them to.
4: Yeah, no, they just—they're so obnoxious. They just yell loudly, much like an elk. But maybe are I'll sure have to listen. Not, are you sure it's on an
3: elk, Leon? You don't—you're not homing <laughs> to elk
5: that's I'm, that's why cheetahs run so fast because they have to like run away from the embarrassment of having made that noise
4: <laughs> yeah when they're chasing down their mates they're like no 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 that wasn't me I swear
3: <laughs> alright Liana this one's going back to you okay Is that that? someone
4: putting away dishes? Like, what is that? (laughs) Putting away dishes, not like not like the clank dishes, but you know. I don't know. All right, I'm gonna listen to this one more
3: time and see if indeed it sounds like putting away dishes. (laughs)
4: Like, like.
3: What kind of dishes do you have to say i think liana puts <laughs> dishes away on like a motorcycle
4: <laughs> not towards the end but like the first part sounded like a wooden spoon okay Whatever. all right
3: so liana is this noise from not putting away dishes is it from a <laughs> crocodile or a koala
4: i was gonna say it did sound very frog like and a... <laughs> i'm no zoologist but i do believe that a crocodile is probably more similar so i'm gonna go with crocodile it is a koala no Ooh. way so Get the out animal- koala
3: actually it actually doesn't use its throat to make this sound it has special folds in its nose uh, similar to dolphins so all those like low-pitched sounds you just heard that sounded like putting away the dishes apparently <laughs> are from a koala's honker
4: that's so weird
3: yeah. They should
4: they need to include this part in the animal and you quiz because I need to go hear whatever the animal I was. Oh no, like. I
3: think I think now Hollywood needs to hire koalas to do foley for if there ever sounds of putting away dishes. I'm just <laughs> like, all right, let's film this koala. <laughs> just
4: get that as the stock sound.
3: All right, Jordan, this next one is for you. <laughs> All right. Was that from a porcupine or a capybara?
2: Hmm.
5: Or can I hear it again? <laughs> I don't know what oh, that's going to do. can. You I... <laughs> can.
2: <laughs>
5: I feel like this animal is struggling. It sounds like it's, it's like being killed. So, you know what? I'd probably make sounds like that if I had, like, pines sticking out of my back. So I'm going to go with a porcupine.
3: So you're correct. Your logic's a <laughs> little weird, considering you're talking about, like, I don't know, the endless
5: torture of being a porcupine, apparently. That it just lives in map-checked misery. Hey, but look, I, is... I, the reason I can never get a tattoo, I have, like, a big-time needle phobia. So if I had needles sticking out of my back constantly, I'd be very freaked out. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think porcupines. I guess they don't have fears of
4: needles. It's not like acupuncture. Like, it's the opposite way. The poking I understand. In.
5: I I know, but I got the question right. So
4: I don't know. That'd be a fear
3: of like True. I don't know having eyes, and you're like oh, I don't know if I could live with having eyes because if I if I had to sit, stare them in the mirror every day, then I'd just be so afraid. Uh, but porcupine is correct though. The the clip of the porcupine is actually quite the opposite of terror. The porcupine is quite pleased. Uh, he is eating some corn, and so he's oh. like. Very like snack happy. Hmm. All right, we are all tied up here, one Very to one for
5: this park, for this park- uh,
3: All right, Liana, <laughs> this next one is for you. Now listen closely because this one's a little bit of a quiet one. <laughs> okay, so was that a bat or an ostrich?
4: Well, it sounded like a whale. <laughs> is that an option? That, uh, I'm
3: sorry. Oh, you? yes, you triggered the secret <laughs> whale question that I put in there. I
4: knew it. I knew it. Well, it sounds I should have like said beforehand, ju- one
3: of these is actually a whale.
4: <laughs> you better figure out which one. Okay, so it sounds like a jungle in the background, so I'm going to go with a bat.
3: I'm sorry, it's an ostrich. Oh, come on. I think I, I,
5: I would have guessed ostrich because I don't think bats make noise, which is why they have to use sonar. So, I'm pretty sure that's true. I, I
3: don't know. I think bats can squeak, uh, but ostriches cool? fill a sack in their long necks Ooh. with air that produces a low-pitched, hollow, booming sound uh, that basically signals to females that they're you know they're ready AF to get dirte wow
4: okay so jordan they have
5: have a full a full sack
4: jordan gets a happy sound of a porcupine eating corn and i get the mating call of an ostrich got it (laughs) yeah
3: but i feel like it's like a berry white ostrich you know like (laughs) no
4: i mean i thought it was a whale so listen
3: if you compare the mating sounds like i'd much rather have ostrich than elk
4: yes you know ostrich sounds
3: like your neighbor just like left the bass on too loud elk sounds like there's a murder being committed next door.
4: yeah i mean if you use screaming as the description of the noise that's probably not a good call
3: exactly uh all right jordan we're going back to you for this one. Okay.
2: <laughs> I, should say I, hope
5: I hope your dog was out of the room for that one. Yeah, my, well, my dog's at my mom's house. So I don't think he, I don't think he heard it. Right. Um, the, so was was there music in the background of that?
3: There was a little bit. Yeah, a little bit of background music. I will okay. not ask who made the background music. Uh, that was human. But was that whistling
5: from a tree frog or a mouse? Hmm. I am going to say. You know what? My 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 first one, I thought you were trying to trick me. And I didn't go with the trick. I, I went with the answer that I actually thought it was. You would think it's a mouse. I'm going to go tree frog. It
3: is mouse. Oh. I would have so done the th- same
4: thing, Jordan. Fun
3: fact, when it comes to generating sound, the human brain is more similar to a mouse's brain than a chimpanzee's. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, and so that particular calls from a grasshopper mouse who generates loud screams to stake its territorial claim in the Sonoran Desert.
4: Yeah, again with the screaming. These animals. I, like the I mean, listen, If scream.
3: I think it makes sense. Like, if you have property and you don't want someone to come onto it, you yell at them, right?
4: So it's just nature. Sure. Does, <laughs> does the mouse also do the get off my lawn hand motion as well, or no? Yeah,
3: no, there's like a whole mouse Karen thing where they're like, they'll be very like, you know, they'll bad mouth you, the other animals will try to film it and they're going to swap the camera away. Mm-hmm.
4: No
2: masks,
5: no masks on these mice. No, nope.
4: talking about kids, Bop, yep.
5: Mouse pop, mini
4: mouse. Mouse pop, suitable
3: we for think mice. mouse pop is like it just. Kid sounds, but instead it's just yeah. that high pitched whistling. Yeah, like I'd, I'd like to. I'd
5: like to speak with your mouseager. <laughs>
3: <laughs> All right, Liana, we're going back to you for this next one. <laughs> Alright, uh, now I know it sounds like putting away the dishes, <laughs> Well, once we got that one out of the way, does it sound like a possum or a hyena? Dude!
4: <laughs> oh, hyenas laugh, and that kind of sounded like laughing, so if it's not a hyena, Mike, you're gonna be mad.
3: You're gonna have to be mad. Did it's it. a possum. Ooh. Come on! So possums uh, make sounds like a stalling car. It seems, and that's sort of their laugh. That's how they laugh. I don't Uh-oh. know what this camera person most, did most to make Most of the a possum possums laugh.
5: I've seen have been because they got hit by a car. So I, I guess that makes sense.
3: <laughs> yeah, maybe that's why possums attract so many cars because they sound like <laughs> yeah. One. They're attracted to the, <laughs> the <sound>. main <laughs> car of the car. Of the they're car. trying to
5: mate with, with the car. <laughs> no. By the way, hyenas, most of the hyenas that I know do a lot of singing because they're from the Lion King. And I actually, I used to have two parakeets that were named uh, Shenzi and Banzai after the uh, two of the hyenas from the Lion King. So
3: you didn't pick Ed as as one of them?
5: Uh, No, I didn't pick Ed. I mean, I was, I was very, it was like right when the Lion King came out. I don't know why we didn't pick Ed. You think Ed would resonate with a uh, five-year-old.
3: I want to circle back to your idea that you think possums like to fuck cars. Can you talk a little (laughs) bit more about that?
5: Well, I mean, based on the sound that, that you just played and it sounded like a car, it's a mating call. Most of the possums I've seen have been the victims of cars. So uh, one would believe that that's the case. That's
4: why you always got to cover up your tailpipe. You never know. <laughs> yeah, or, that,
5: or you find a
3: possum in there, getting lucky. Those dirty, randy possums.
5: Yeah. Really revs your engine. <laughs>
3: Alright, Liana, this last one is for you, and it does, uh, this one runs through a few of the sounds, so it's a bit of a longer clip. Wait, isn't it's this really... Jordan's?
4: Didn't I just go? Oh, right, yeah, it's Jordan's. Yeah, uh, uh,
3: sorry, this, oh, now I'm, now I'm kalish in front of Jordan Kaylish. That's so embarrassing. Here. Uh, but this, this goes full, through a full repertoire. Consider this the real of this animal.
2: Okay. okay. Speak! <laughs> Roar! <laughs> Sputter. Rumble. Whistle.
5: Okay, right. I, I don't even need the choices. That was a human being. The person saying all the words.
3: Okay, well. Dolphin! I, sca- you found, I You found the secret whale question as well. Uh, so, is this from a walrus?
2: Or a mm. tiger? Hmm.
5: You know what? Based on the fact... I don't think tigers need to be commanded to, to roar, so I'm going to go with the walrus. All right, well, weird logic, but you are correct. That is a walrus. <laughs> <laughs> Due to, I don't know, I guess the,
3: Yeah, the, uh, I don't know. The, the the rebel-like quality of tigers. Uh this is a walrus going through all its noises. I think the one I was most alarmed by when I listened was the whistling, mm-hmm. which surprise, surprise, is its mating call. So <laughs> I guess the walruses are like at the construction site, wolf whistling, all the the people that walk by.
4: Yeah, I guess that makes sense then why male uh Mating calls, human male mating calls are so annoying. Because it's, it's, I mean, it's just it's evolution. It's it's the yeah, animal we evolved kingdom. evolved from
3: screaming and whistling, To, yeah,
4: to hey, girl, hey, smile, take off that mask, you know. Yeah, it, that, exactly. that
5: was sort of like one of those Sea World shows too, where like the trainer that's, is giving commands to the. It, it just it just seemed like it was. Yeah, that, that's what it's I like, like I like the sputter one personally
3: too. Like the. <laughs>
4: very talented i I hope you've learned something from this mike some new sounds that you can incorporate into not only your home life but podcasting as well
3: i learned so much about animals guys this is such a fun game for me to play i hope you all enjoyed it too i got to learn that cheetahs chirp that mice whistle that possums lay with cars like there's a (laughs) lot of things we learn about animalia this this game
4: yeah some of it from jordan which may or may not be factual <laughs> yeah our <laughs>
3: resident jack Hanna of the podcast jordan kalish yes. hey my
5: my brother's a veterinarian so make that for that what makes it's worse. <laughs> even worse <laughs> <laughs> i know nothing about animals but someone i'm related to does it's in your dna yeah <laughs>
4: i don't think it's genetic like i don't think you inherit that skill but <laughs> i did
5: find a notebook that would have like a few pages of his notes in my apartment recently i guess it got mixed in with my stuff um i did not read it but maybe it rubbed it rubbed off subliminally
3: wait when well, you touch the book like all your animal like eliza thornberry all the knowledge yeah. about animals just accepted yes. into your I think brain that's what
4: happened yes oh my gosh okay well wow. oh yeah, and
3: jordan won so i guess that does make sense Woo! by a measly two to one
4: by osmosis <laughs> yes Jordan. i like
3: rice <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
4: you can make your own campaign slogan for your your successful i
3: know animals i know animals i'll make sure that every instead of every wet chicken in a pot it's every possum in a tailpipe
5: <laughs> all the way with jmk
4: <laughs> yeah speak loudly and always scream i think is the other thing we've learned <laughs> from this Uh, okay well let's do another absolutely ridiculously silly thing that has very little to do with Survivor this one although I think is actually somehow more related to Survivor Kageon than just a smidge more
3: than wild animal calls yeah right
4: (laughs) Um, okay so we are going to play a game that was based off of some both Cass and Sarah Lacina quotes so Sarah says I'm not saying let me be the princess and walk on eggshells around me but don't piss me off and then Cass comes in and says at the bequest of queen sarah i have usurped sarah's throne she's like all about the queendom the princessdom so we are going to talk about some princesses of our own and they are disney princesses so what i've done is i created a survey for the listeners of the rhap b and the few of you that are out there to fill out and you had to tell me what Survivor Kagayan player most reminded you of various Disney princesses. Now we went based on. Oh, uh, I think Jordan's going to be. I'm uh, considering that he named his parakeets after a Disney
5: characters. I think I may be at a disadvantage for this. One. <laughs> no Lion King characters on this list, though.
4: That's right. So this is based off of the official Disney princess list. Which is a thing. Um, And so they could, it's uh, like Snow White, Cinderella, Mulan, Rapunzel. Anyway, so we're going to go through and we're going to see if you guys can read the minds of the listeners and see if you can identify what Kagayan player is most like a particular Disney princess. Okay. How many people sent in for this survey? We had 172 (laughs) poor, unfortunate souls (laughs) that had (laughs) to fill out this. Uh, Thank you so much. You'll have snow, your voice. Snow, don't forget the appeal of sausage legs. Sausage my Mike. <laughs> okay, so the way this is gonna work is, uh, we're, we'll have you guys buzz in. Okay, but you Bye. will each get a guess. Okay, and then there will be a certain number of points associated with the guess. So, for example, let's say we had done the Lion King and we had Nala on there. Mike buzzes in. He guesses. I don't know. David, okay, so just great. So Jordan gets zero points because no one said David <laughs> Simpson. Mike gets a guess. Bryce, oh, 10 people said Bryce. Mike gets 10 points. Okay, okay so that's that's it. the way the scoring is going to work. Uh, you know, I have Jordan Did- here. You he can check my math.
3: <laughs> okay, so, so it's the first person who to guess correctly gets those points. It's not that we each offer a guess and we each get points.
4: No, the second part, not the first one. <laughs>
3: okay, so we're each going to offer a guess and yes. however many points that gets like family feud
4: right oh, but okay. there are some that but you are. you only get one guess yeah, you only get one guess there are some okay. that are more obvious than others which is why we're going to do the buzz in thing instead of alternating gotcha. so if you okay, you're there. like oh no i know who it is i'm going to buzz in and uh then you will get those <laughs> points okay so um mike uh, are you gonna stick with clap 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 clap
3: no i'm gonna do the walrus noise and go
4: okay great <laughs>
5: I'm, I'm going to yell in, in, in honor of uh, Mike Bloom being the one who created my nickname. I'm going to yell Dees.
4: OK, yes. All right. That sounds good. So Mike is just a sound and Jordan is actually words. So, <laughs> all right, well, let's kick things off with Princess Snow White. Dece. OK, yes, Jordan.
5: I, I am going to say Tony Vlacos.
4: OK, so, Mike, I'm going to go ahead and give you the opportunity to answer. Um, and then I will reveal the scores. I'm going to go with Morgan McLeod, considering that I don't
3: know how much people remember Kageyam, but I'm sure, pretty sure Cass did call her Sleeping Beauty at one point.
4: Okay, well, this is Snow White... Yeah.
5: So, <laughs> so <I don't> <laughs> uh, I mean, you actually concerned, got well, concerned for a does second that I missed so I
4: got it mixed up. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay, well, <laughs> we're going to go ahead and lock in your answer. So, Jordan, eight people or 4.7% of the vote said mm. Tony. Mike, 23 people <laughs> or 13.5% wow. yes said Morgan. So, okay, okay. so I backed myself I, ass back. I have a rationale answer. for
5: this, by the way. You do. Tony, Tony had a lot of minions a lot of people following him around just like snow white had with with the, with the dwarves um mm-hmm. and then also i feel like you know she she had i mean all the disney princesses have animal friends right but i feel like tony lives in the woods and i feel like he probably made some friends with some of some of the animals out there he spoke llama i i kind of think it, it checks out that's what i would have said
4: okay well thanks jordan for the rationale what is the <laughs> apple then like you know snow white has the the like- well, that's
5: actually be- becomes more of like a James
4: Clement type thing. <laughs> so, then, okay, so, so if I can harbor a second on. guess,
5: even though I did win this
4: one, yes. I would say
3: was Alexis Maxwell the top response? Uh,
4: Jeffra was actually the top response, mm, but Alexis was the second, uh, the second place. Yeah, second I place personally, I would put Alexis above anything?
3: Jeffra. I think just because of the hair, mm-hmm. um, but I could say they're both like very they're as sweet as pie, and they're like the fairest of them all, I suppose. In this mm-hmm. cast, yeah.
4: All right, well, let's go to Princess Cinderella. <laughs> yes, Mike. I'm going to go with Spencer. Okay, Spencer. Okay. So Jordan, I, do you have a guess?
5: I I do actually have Spencer written down as my choice for Cinderella, but I am going to use a similar logic that that Mike used for guessing uh Oh, you
3: mean say the wrong person. Yeah,
4: someone <laughs> no, else. Yeah. I,
5: I'm going to say Jeffra for the hair color
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh okay that type of logic yeah all right well mike you uh had 23 people agreed with you uh and said spencer jordan 31 people Ooh. agreed with you uh, and said Jeffra. so apparently he- hair color it's yeah.
3: similar so surface deep with these <laughs>
4: must uh, must uh,
3: mean something hair color gotta be that <laughs> so who is who is the number one choice uh
4: the number one choice is jeffra
3: interesting yeah. So jeffra's two Disney I, I like spencer
5: i think spencer's a much better i, I didn't yeah. write down I, was, I,
3: was rationale like, I was thinking rags to riches like mm-hmm. who gets you know who comes from like the evil stepsisters like the way he's been you know sort of clawing his way up from the bottom so that's what i personally thought
4: spencer did have the second most So that makes sense. And then Bryce, (laughs) the third most. (laughs) All right. Let's move on to uh, someone that Mike was talking about earlier. So, Princess Aurora or Sleeping Beauty? Uh, I believe I heard Mike's weird uh, walrus noise first. So, Mike, yeah, we'll go with you. We'll go with the Morgan (laughs) McLeod. Okay. uh, Yes. Uh, George. I don't
5: know if there is a second place answer for this one. Um, I I am going to go with uh, be, 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 be Alexis Maxwell.
4: Okay, so uh, <laughs> yes, there was a runaway answer here with 46% that of the so. vote. Uh, Morgan uh, was the answer there. So Mike, the, that gets you 80 points, which is insane. Uh, yeah. Jordan, you actually did have the second Okay. most answered oh. with 15 so right. yeah not, not too I think shabby. a lot of
3: people were like oh survivor Kagan, tony's going to be the answer to everyone but we're four deep and tony has not made barely a blush on these mm-hmm.
4: that's right at least not yet let's find out if he does with our next princess and that is princess ariel from under the sea
5: this yes this I'm going to say that Ariel, and I have a rationale for this one, too, is Bryce Isaiah.
4: OK, mm-hmm. you want to explain one. your rationale?
5: Yeah, she she wants to be where the people are. He wanted to be on the show longer. He didn't get a fair shot. So Bryce Isaiah is is the Ariel of, of this season.
4: OK, Mike, that, I mean, Mike, do you have an answer? I'm going to go. So
3: Ariel, you know, she lives in this world uh, where she feels pretty comfortable but she's, she's looking to greener pastures, right? She wants to look beyond. Using my cockamamie logic, I'm going to say Chaos Cass is Ariel from The Little Mermaid.
4: Okay, so Chaos Cass is your answer. So Jordan, you did have the top answer mm. board with 26 points. 26 people agreed with you. And Mike, you had, I believe, not too shabby, the fourth most really? with cast. Yeah, 15 people did think of wow. cast. Do you a think Ariel, Ariel, if, if we, if, if
3: God forbid, if we ever do a Disney princess brand steal, Ariel's the flipper, right? Like she's, I, she, she, literally, has, she, she has she, a flip. Yeah, she literally <laughs> has a, also she's one to be like, I want to be with the land people. Like I'm flipping on my line. So like, much like Cass at tribal council, like they'd be like, who got rid of me? And Ariel just sort of like looks away and doesn't answer the question.
5: Mm hmm. Yeah. Right. I could. Now, now, Mike, you did a podcast recently uh, about the show as, which is now a movie Hamilton. Yeah. Uh, do Eliza and Angelica count as Disney princesses now? So would that's be interesting because oh, yeah. you
3: could also say like is Princess Leia, a Disney princess, is Lisa Simpson a Disney princess? Mm-hmm. I would say I personally feel like if it's from a property that was created by Disney outright, then yes. But if it was grandfathered in or grandmothered in, then they're not. So while it would be fun to say, and I Here think we got, so. Very godmothered in. Yeah, and so I, exactly. So while I think that even like Philip Sue and Renee Elise Goldberry were like, yeah, let's have them be Disney princesses. I think, unfortunately, because they were sort of bought into, they're sort of like uh, Disney Princess in-laws and mm, in that they're, okay. they're somewhat related, but not organically created by Disney.
4: So this list was based off of the Disney Princesses, also called the Princess Line, a media franchise and toy line owned by the Walt Disney Company. The franchise <laughs> does not include all princess characters from the whole Disney owned media, but rather refers to a select and specific characters. So this is like whatever subsection. So that doesn't really answer the mm-hmm. question, but I believe there can be Disney princesses outside of the ones that I've included here today.
5: Yeah. And also the Skylar sisters were were pretty anti-monarchy. So they might not even want to be considered Disney princesses. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. Exactly.
4: All right. Our next Disney princess is Belle from Beauty and the Beast. Jeez. Yes, Jordan. I'm
5: gonna say Jatia. Bell does a lot of reading. Uh, Jatia loves nerds. I'm, go- I'm going Jatia.
4: Okay. and Mike, do you have an answer? Yeah, I'm gonna go with hmm I'm
3: going to go with I'll go with Spencer here because I feel like he was the most like brainy mm-hmm. of the brains. I feel like he is some maybe he fell in love with Tony much like Bell fell in love with the beast. That was his declaration of love to him uh, in the finale. So I'm going to say Spencer's always looking for something beyond this provincial life. And I think that uh, being in the Kagayan province proved that to Spencer.
4: All right. Well, Mike, you did have the top answer. Twenty-five percent <laughs> of the people agreed with you. That's forty-three points. Jordan, you had the fifth most uh, mm. answer. Yeah, people not not thinking of Jatia. Cass uh, was the second, and Tasha as the third. So I, I think some, Tasha of the, as well. some of the brains that stuck around a little bit longer seem to uh, seem to be those top answers.
2: Sure.
4: Okay, Princess Jasmine.
2: Oh.
5: Peace. yes jordan okay i'm gonna say sarah lacina is mm, the princess jasmine because there is a part in the movie where she is trying to she accuses aladdin of not really being a prince and she's trying to figure out who he is it's just like uh sarah uh telling tony that he's a cop so that's
4: what i'm going okay, <laughs> okay. and mike what about you i'm gonna go with tasha
3: here because i think that jasmine is probably one of the most individualistic disney princesses uh she's the one that's like i like go away let my tiger eat your butt prince in the (laughs) beginning of aladdin like i uh i I don't want to get married uh without without love now do you feel like tasha is somebody who like would speak out and sort of like goes her own way from a certain perspective
4: so there was a three-way tie for the second most ooh between sarah lasina Alexis Maxwell and Cass. Cass is <laughs> yeah, making a showing here. Which was pretty interesting. Tasha Fox, though, was the top answer here, although it was Ooh. very close. Only five people separated. So uh, this wow. one was actually all over the place. Pretty much everybody got answers here. Yeah.
3: And uh, I guess in that perspective, like, is LJ like uh, Prince Ababwa? And that, like, she thought they were going to have a big Magic carpet ride and then he stands her up.
4: <laughs> yeah, let's see. Did LJ actually get any responses? I'm pretty sure he did here. Uh yes. Four people Ooh, thought that LJ, LJ is, is Princess is, Jasmine. Yes, out of all the Survivor Kageon players is the most like Princess Jasmine. Next up we have Pocahontas. Ooh. Pocahontas. This one is also not one clear answer. All over the okay. place. Okay. Yes, Mike. I'm going to say Trish. Why the hell not? Okay. She has Trish. long hair. <laughs> That's. Yep. I, when in doubt,
5: go with the hair. Um, I am going to. I believe that Pocahontas does have a pet raccoon, so maybe she speaks raccoon <laughs> just like Cass <laughs> speaks llama. Essentially, so Cass.
4: <laughs> Cass. Okay. All right, uh, so, Jordan, I don't know what where this ranks, but eight people agreed with you that oh, it was Cass. Okay. No, the top answer was actually the aforementioned LJ. What? What?
3: <laughs> As Pocahontas? Oh, you know what it is, is that wasn't he like a horse? Uh, he, he, like, managed horses. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, so they don't okay, like, gotcha. Maybe, like, he talks with nature, like, colors of the wind. <laughs> Uh huh. Okay, that, yeah, makes, that sense. makes sense.
4: Yeah, that makes sense. No, I like it. Uh, the next answer was Tasha, and then Mike. The third most popular answer was Trish. Here. Okay. Okay. Princess Mulan. This okay, Jordan. Yes.
5: Trish famously on, oh. on, on uh, said, "I said, am actually a man," which I think is the plot of Mulan. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going with Trish.
4: Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Jordan. Mike,
3: do you have an answer? I'm going to go with Cass because Cass had a quote in the finale of, you know, if I if a man did what I did, he would be lauded for it and I do yes. feel like that is a very similar type of attitude that Milan is espousing.
4: Okay, gotcha. So, neither of you had the top 3 answers. Uh <laughs> the surprised. top answer was Sarah Lacina, followed by Wu, followed by Tony. Tony. <laughs> yeah. Uh then Cass. And then Tasha. So you guys had the fourth and fifth most <laughs> answered. I'm here for Mulan Sina. Uh, Mulan Sina. You think that would work? I, I mean, sort of to a certain perspective. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, OK, so the next princess is Princess Tiana. never
5: seen this movie.
4: Yes, so uh, she is from The the Princess princess and the Frog. frog.
5: Yeah, that I know.
4: Yes, Mike.
3: I'm going to go with Jeremiah because of the southern
5: aspect. Ooh, he's a bullfrog, and Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Jeremiah's uh, good bull is a bullfrog.
4: Was a bullfrog,
5: yes. (laughs) All right. I'm going to say... You know what? I did not give Tasha Fox a slogan. Mm. So I'm going to guess Tasha Fox here.
4: Okay. So, Jordan, you had the top answer here with Tasha, yes. Uh, Then, Mike, you had... It's got to be bottom five. No. They didn't like, they didn't like it. bottom, bottom
2: like
1: five the...
5: baby, bottom five baby. No. They, didn't, they didn't like Mike's Jeremiah was a bullfog front no. On.
3: no,
4: Just go with the Southern accent, people. It's from it's from New Orleans. Uh, they didn't make the connection. No, the New Orleans accent. And what's, where's he from? South Carolina. They're a little different, but it's closer. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, only four people agreed with you there. Mike. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Who is the, the second most? Uh, The second most was rice. Ooh, interesting. Yes, Uh, I don't know sipping some tea. I don't know what uh, what the deal is there. All right, Princess Rapunzel is up next. Yes, yes, Jordan.
5: (laughs) Same same logic as as Cinderella. I'm going with Jeff. Damn
4: it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And Mike, do you have an answer? So this is
3: someone who's like held in captivity but has like a gumption about her and her hair can heal. (laughs) Yes. That's let me, let me look here. I'm going to say Trish because Trish is, Trish is very healing. We see in this episode that she is like leading yoga. Uh, She has probably the longest hair out of the cast and it is blonde. So I think I'm going to stick with the blonde mentality here.
4: All right, Jordan, you had the top answer. (laughs) Yes, the hair color apparently matters. Woo was actually the second hmm. answer. Then Tony, <laughs> why is actually, why That's is a Tony Wilson? He got eleven point five percent of the vote. Wow. I don't know. Don't ask. Don't at me. <laughs> uh,
5: Even in like the old pictures of Tony, like he never had long hair, ye- and like Tony like jacked in his twenties did not did not have. Uh,
4: I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Trish only got 7.3% of the vote, Uh, Mike, so uh, that's 12 extra points for you. All right, we are down to our last two Disney princesses. Okay. Okay, so the next princess is Princess Merida. Ooh.
5: What movie? Uh, This is Brave. Yes. Brave. Brave, Brave. Where does Brave take place?
4: In Scotland, right? Scotland. Yeah.
5: Okay, uh... (laughs)
4: Yes, Mike. I'm going to go with Sarah Lacina. All right, Sarah Lacina.
5: Um, you know, let's let's stick uh, cops are us. I'm going to go with Tony
4: and Tony. All Tony right. I was thinking Morgan McLeod,
3: but I, if people weren't going Jeremiah for Southern, they are not going Morgan McLeod for Scottish sound.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, the top answer was actually Cass. <laughs> really. Hmm. Yes, so uh, Cass got 25% of the vote. Then uh, Tony and Sarah were actually the two and three answers off the board. Sarah was the second answer with 27 and Tony with 21. People agreed with you guys.
3: Interesting. Yeah, I guess, I mean, again, Cass is someone who's like super headstrong, you know, super vocal. And I think out of all the princesses, Merida was like I mean, she entered an uh, an archery tourney to win, essentially, her own hand in marriage. So I think that's, like, the most, you know, badass princess in terms of being able to speak on their own behalf.
4: So is that very Cass-like, then?
3: I could see that,
4: yeah. I don't know if Cass would uh, enter
3: an archery contest to win her own hand, but she would certainly, I don't know. She'd help. She definitely help her mom turn back from being a bear. I think Cass could definitely do that. She can talk <laughs> sure. with a <the> bear.
4: <laughs> Sorry, Jordan, I didn't realize you were going to go watch all these after.
5: Mike, what does uh, what, what noise does a bear make?
4: Is it choking? Yes. Oh, very okay. specific,
3: It was choking on the dishes that the possum was putting away. <laughs>
4: well, it's better than choking on something else from the possum. Okay, Save that for the car! Ayo! Alright, so we have one Okay. last princess on the board and that is princess moana princess.
5: moana yes.
4: yes jordan
5: i'm going to say that moana she controls the water I, I i feel like cass is getting a lot of love in these i'm going cass
4: okay you're going cass uh for no other logic than Cass has been a lot of other answers and therefore will be another answer. Well,
5: she's one with nature because she speaks llama and she is
3: I don't
4: know. I just wanted to say Cass. Okay, sounds great, Jordan. Uh, Mike, what is your answer?
3: I gotta go with Wu here. I think that Wu has that surfer hairdo. I think that makes him most attuned to the water, attuned to the ocean, and he, you know, had had his weaselly ways, which makes him communed with nature in his own way.
4: Okay, Mike, you did have the top answer Ooh. with Wu. Tony actually was <laughs> the second most answer. No, Tony looks like Tony. Maui, not like not yes. like. Tony is more like Maui, t- t- Tawana <laughs> and Spencer. What could I say
5: except you're welcome? S-
4: Spencer was the third most uh, answered player, and then what did you say, Jordan? I said Cass. Cass. Uh, yes he's of course you said Cass yeah Cass uh, somewhere only seven people agreed with you I, I don't no, have the sorry. rankings immediately here but this was so this would have been a super close game the Morgan answer, Mike. The buzzing in on the Mm. Morgan answer really is what set you apart because essentially you stayed neck and neck except for that one answer. So Mike, you do end up winning the game with 309 points and Jordan, you have 218. But a really well done job from both of you.
3: Wow! So when I accidentally rang in with Morgan McCloud, that helped me win the game. Yes,
4: the first time you messed up Sleeping Beauty and then the second time I was able to actually get Sleeping Beauty. Yes,
5: you're the Sarah Lucina of this game. The, fir- the first time you messed the up, Sarah the Lucina. Yeah. It sounds like a John Cena reference.
4: <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Well, well done. Thank you to everyone who filled out the survey. This was super useful. Well, I mean, it helped in this ridiculous game. I don't know if useful is the right word. Uh, but thank you again. It's so much fun. And now we know what Survivor Kage on player is most like what Disney princess. We've been new Before
3: we go, I do, I do want to bring up one more quick thing because we do have, of course, the infamous quote from Spencer to end this episode: Guess. zero percent chance of winning the game." I actually was going to come up with a game, possibly if there was enough going back of like Survivor betting odds to see if we could guess like what the betting odds were certain players. But do you think there's a strategy in like telling people? When you're being a prospective juror, like what their specific chances are, their betting odds are of winning the game by being a specific bookie, especially if they're like a gambler of sorts.
4: Do you do percentages or do you do odds? I'm not like a big gambler, so I don't really know how mm. that works. I feel like percentages would work better for the layman, but I feel like odds is something yeah. that's much more precise.
3: Yeah, I don't know. Jordan, you are like our, our requisite sports person here. Do <laughs> yeah, you, do you feel like it's it's better to approach someone with Because I feel like. While percentage might be more accessible to the honest point, odds feels more like solid, you know, like you'd be more likely to trust somebody saying, yeah, you have a five to one odds of winning the game.
5: Well, I mean, I think we do hear Jeff, you know, before after someone wins immunity, he's always like, uh, you have a one in eight chance of winning the game, which mm-hmm. is sort of sort of like odds. So I think it does have more of a basis in Survivor. I, I mean, the closest thing to somebody coming in and saying like, oh, you're def- this person is definitely going to win if they get to the end is when people come back from the edge. So I think there is some strategy here in trying to make the other players see what the jury is going to do. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't.
3: Do you think at the edge maybe if they somehow continue this they should have a big like leaderboard up there and then maybe what they maybe that's a use for the fire tokens is that like mm-hmm. they use them to bet on people to give to see like what the odds are of a person winning the game so that they can actually go back with with odds of how you know active players would do at that point.
5: I mean let me say this I am Completely. I mean, I'm an, I'm a never edger. I, I hope they never bring back the edge, but if they were to bring back the edge with fire tokens, I think having some sort of betting component, whether it be like who's getting voted out, who is going to win this challenge, whatever, whatever. I think that would make it a little bit more interesting.
4: I mean, t- so I'm not, I'm not against that. Talk about an added I, I layer. I am against the, yeah, yeah. Talk about an added layer of duplicity in the game. <laughs> we're going to have betting, <laughs> right? Like I, I like, well,
3: can we change that into like an America's player type of task of like, you have to get these two specific people to fight. Sort of like what happened with Lauren of like, uh, not, you know, pick the immunity winner, but like, yeah, I get to basically like bet on, force a situation where you get to you know, uh, manufacture an outcome and then you win a bunch of fire tokens if you do yeah. so.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: Well, I don't know if I want the people on the edge having more more of an impact in the game than they already do. I think the betting is pretty innocuous because it wouldn't actually affect the, uh, the challenges and stuff. Right.
4: They just bet like on their own island, it just gives them something to do. So they can bet on immunity challenges, they can bet on mm-hmm. rewards, they can bet on, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Like they find can, something yeah, and survive and like they can bet on bring it. Bring
3: shoes to tribal council, like just make the smallest bets. That's what I would do if I had fire tokens.
4: Exactly. See, and then it's something fun for them them they can earn more fire tokens, which I feel like, you know, Jeff wants more fire tokens in the game. So I think it's cool like play economy. the which
5: disney princess are you game where like mm. they could ha- they could uh you know survey all the people on the edge whoever's running it mm-hmm. and then like you know find the most common answer and they could bet fire tokens on I'm
4: it. i'm like 99 sure i said sandra was gonna start her own betting ring in my preseason predictions <laughs> for for winners <laughs> at war so to be honest this uh, is pretty close
3: to what i want s- sad that, and then it wasn't a one night it was only a one night operation for sandra diaz trying otherwise she'd be like hustling that edge like she'd be like i don't care i'm not going for the, the logs or the coconuts like let's just Let's keep you know making bets on uh, how many times, how many idols we think Tony's going to pull out at the next Tribal Council.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. By, by the way, who who was? Did you guys have a winner pick going into Survivor Kageon? Ooh, I didn't do winner
3: picks that far back, but I will say, like the person I think I probably had the most vested interest in would probably be somebody like a Jeremiah. Maybe it's because I like you know you look at Gentile Southern Man and you think JT. It's become uh, abundantly clear more and more that, like, it's very hard to mimic what he was able to bring to that first season. But I I think that's sort of like what I was looking towards. Because remember, this is also the first time we had done Brains versus Brawn versus Beauty. So my logic was, okay, uh, if Brawn is meant to represent physicality, Brains meant to represent strategy and Beauty is, I guess, supposed to represent social game. Social game wins out so you know so many more times than physical or strategic, and so I'd, I'd go with one of the beauties. Mm.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was rooting for the brains tribe, but I don't. It wasn't like a oh, this is my winner pick because of logical reasons. I was still at the level where it was just like I like these people. I'm smart. I want smart people to win. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it wasn't uh, completely thought out.
5: What about you, Jordan? I- so I was between two people. I had the, the one person I was rooting for going into the season, which was Spencer. And I actually did root for Spencer mm-hmm. for a large portion of the season until I sort of fell in love with Tony. And I still I still have always liked Spencer um, since he was on Kageon. But I ended up not going with Spencer as my winner pick. Uh, he was the one I wanted to win. My winner pick was uh, David Sampson, which <laughs> did not work out. Was, it, sort was of, it purely because of the baseball
3: connection that you're like, well, there's a baseball guy. I got to root I, for him.
5: No, I mean I don't always I don't always either root for or pick the pick the athlete or the person who has like a sports connection. You don't I you roo- just root for the
4: home team in a manner of speaking. I was
5: impressed. Yeah, exactly. I was I was impressed by his uh, by his
4: like pregame press. Well, he didn't win, and, and it was a shame for you. So. No, I, I it was one, actually, two, three I'm, I'm votes.
5: Fine, you're out. I'm at fine the old with, uh, game. with the, yes. I'm fine being wrong about
3: that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, buy me some peanuts and cracker jacks. Uh, all right. Well, well, let's let's start finishing things up and. As we've talked about for the past weeks on the B&B, uh, we wanted to use our voices and our microphones to be able to, despite all the silliness, to highlight uh, a cause that's helping things that are going on in the world today. As the guest of honor, Jordan, the floor is yours. What charities would you like to mention in this week's Charity Corner?
5: Uh, so the first one I would like to mention, uh, I uh, have unfortunately had had two relatives uh, die, die from cancer uh, one was my uh, my grandfather who had brain and lung cancer. And then my aunt actually about a year ago uh, um, died of ovarian cancer. So they both actually went to a hospital called Calvary hospital, which is basically, it's basically uh, end of life care. It's where you go when there's really no more options at the end, but they do a great job of making sure that um, that, that the people who were there, whether it be for a couple weeks or months, um, sometimes as, as much as a year, but usually it's not that long. They do have a great job of making sure that they're taken care of. They're comfortable. They're like, they're unbelievable to the people who come visit them as well, who are oftentimes suffering just, just as much. So it's called uh, Calvary hospital. Uh, you could donate at fun.calvaryhospital.org.
4: Awesome. awesome. Yeah. Thanks for sharing Jordan. I think it's yeah. like, yeah, especially when you have a personal connection, like that's so like, thank you for sharing. It's mm-hmm. sad that you went through that experience, but it's oh, yeah, good yeah. that there are people there that are helping and want to do good for those people that have to experience that
5: no the do- I and mean, all the doctors the whole staff just everyone has has so much empathy for the for the patients and and for the visitors and then also you know the, there've been uh you know so so much going around on social media lately uh with all of the uh, the, the black lives matter charities so i'm sure a lot of people listening to, to this have already been donating to those or sharing those on on social media so keep doing that
3: all right well, Jordan, this was such a great time to have you on. Uh, it's, it's, you know, sad that it's gone like four years uh, since we started this podcast without having the great Jordan Kalish on uh, between, you know, you were so game for animal sounds and presidential slogans and Disney princesses and also telling us about your uh, your thoughts about possums behavior <laughs> specifically. Uh, unfortunately, you know, Twists is in a bit of a, a bit of a yachtist right now, but I would love for you to talk a bit more about what you mentioned before about the the patron mafia, because I'm sure people who have not become patrons of RHAP yet and are probably looking to do so would want to know about this very very nice fringe benefit of becoming one.
5: Yeah, so if you uh, if you have thought about becoming a uh, a patron of Rob Has a Podcast and uh, you you need another uh, you know another reason to maybe uh, you know beca- join the patron program, be in the Facebook group. First of all, it's a great community. To- community to be in. Uh and second of all, we have started playing the party game Mafia in the Facebook group. The uh fir- first of all, Rob uh Rob Sesternino does play um Mafia every time that we do it. It's been it's been uh, bi weekly starting uh starting you know, starting a couple weeks ago. And Mafia is a really fun social deduction game. Everybody or most people have roles. Uh there's a lot of lying, there's a lot of deception. And if you've ever wanted to try to bamboozle Rob Sesternino, this is a perfect opportunity.
3: Perfect, and yes, there are two portions of the game. Right, there's the Tony time and there's
5: the Reagan time. Just to clarify, the, the, right? the, the Tony, yes, the Tony time, where where people who have nighttime powers act; they do their nighttime stuff, and then the the Reagan time, where it's uh it's it's morning in, in Stone Creek, which is the town that everybody is playing in, uh, and they do their daytime stuff and they talk to each other. And the other great thing about this is not only are you playing uh, the great Puya Zanfakili uh, and sometimes uh, Liana as well as as his co-host, and uh, we've also had Kirsten. Um, they comment. Commentate on the game and if they they call you out if you're playing badly and they give you props if you're playing well.
4: Yeah, it's been fun to do the commentary. It's you know, we put together a show. So there's both the playing portion of it and then also the what's being presented to everybody else who's not playing that time. But we're rotating through and trying to get to everybody. So it's really fun and a really just it's insane and really silly. And it's so fun to play with Rob, too, and see what Rob does uh, in these social strategy games.
5: Yeah. So yeah, and if you've ever played if you've ever played Mafia before, this might be very different than what you've played, because this is sort of Mafia on steroids. It is the, the de-schoolish version of Mafia that has been uh, uh, tried and tested through many in-person meetings and lately has been uh, adapted to Zoom. Uh, so if you would like to play a very intricate version of Mafia, just uh, become a patron and uh, fill out the form. And if you're already a patron and you want to play, there's uh, Sam Moore. Shout out to Sam Moore posts a form uh, every week.
3: Awesome. One of the many benefits of becoming an RTP patron is Jordan says you can always follow Jordan at Jordan Kalish on Twitter as well for his myriad of takes about the world. Liana what's going on with you these days
4: well you can find me on Twitter at Liana R H A P I am talking about a RuPaul's Drag Race All Stars and Canada's Drag Race I'm actually about to go hop on and podcast about that now so we will have both the audio version out and the video version on YouTube so you can come watch all the runways look at all the looks we're going to be combining both All Stars and Canada into the same podcast so that should be a ton of fun and we're having some guests and uh, just talking about all things drag race you can follow me at a mike bloom type
3: uh, you can check out the lost podcasting that i'm doing with josh wiggler every week just finished season two uh which was a very very fun time top chef we have gone beyond top chef actually this past week we talked about padma lakshmi's fancy new h uh, hulu series taste the nation which i immensely enjoyed very highly recommend people check that out and also this past week two other big podcasts on the rhap main feed Uh, First, I got to start my coverage alongside Rob and Jessica Lease of Tough as Nails, the new CBS reality show. Yes, there is a new CBS reality show that is coming out. It's fun. We had a lot of fun with the podcast, so I'm very excited for what's to come with that as we get our hands dirty on the show. And also, we got to hop on to do another Brant Steele. This one's a little bit different, but I feel like it's one that's been a few years in the making, since we, you know, really uh, invented this idea of, of sort of uh, Brant Steele-esque podcasts a couple of years ago, we did a Brant Steel with Parks and Rec characters with Hannah Lil Nusson and uh, Will Sondheim, who are the co-hosts of the great new Pawnee Public Radio podcast, which is a Parks and Rec rewatch podcast. Highly recommend people check that out and then check out Hannah and Will's podcast as well. That's going to do it for this week on the b Next week, we are going to keep on keeping on through our post-merge adventures. We are only going a few seasons before Kagayan. Uh, We J- Jordan mentioned David Samson before. We're going to still stay in the vein of baseball as we're going to be talking about Survivor Philippines Episode 8. This is the Jeff Kent boot episode uh, where essentially Jonathan Penner saves his life. A big, crazy tribal council breaks out where two idols get revealed and Jeff Kent somehow goes home in the middle of it. I'm very excited. It's going to be Liana and myself, I believe, for right now. That that all may change, but we'll be back next week. If you all have games that you want to suggest, as was evident today, we will literally do anything and talk about anything on this podcast. So really, the sky is the limit, and then some. RHAPBNB at gmail.com or hashtag Rhapbnb. Special shout out to Scott St. Pierre for editing all this behind the scenes. Wolf from America for his great theme song. And Paul Osleson. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll be back next week for Survivor Philippines Episode 8. But for now, we'll check you out at your next day. Play us out, Mr. Porcupine.
1: Mike and Diana that they're playing some games. Mike and Liana, gather yeah, playing some games. Let upright pray to your mama, that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. It's the R H A P B M E. Mike and Liana, gather yeah, playing some games. Let upright pray to your mama, that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. And you can't yeah. say